to Mages of the Air. I'm your host, Katie. And I'm Tracy. And today we are joined by our guest... Aaron. His name's Aaron, guys. Yeah. Uh, this is his first time reading Tamara Pierce books. He has graciously waited and slowed down his reading so he can join us and we can get some thoughts from a newbie. So, but before we jump into the show, remember that you can catch up with us on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. On all of those, it is Mages of the Air. Our website is up, and that is also magesoftheair.com. You can go there, and you can see our Tea of the Week and our book recommendations, um, and it links directly to Anchor, where you can listen to the podcast. Podcast is up on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere that you listen to your podcast. I think we've got it there. If you know of one that we've missed, let us know, and we'll make it happen. Uh, so, Tea of the Episode. Again, we're all doing this from a distance, so we all have different teas. Well, we're all mine doing is... it in different cities today, too, which is actually kind of cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like the joys of modern technology. Uh, I'm drinking Harney and Sons Hot Cinnamon Sunset. This is a black tea with orange peel, cinnamon, and cloves. I almost think this is the one you were drinking two weeks ago. I don't know. It's delicious. It's wonderful. And I'm having black tea today because my child woke up at midnight and wanted to be awake and play all night. And we finally got him back to sleep. And then a thunderstorm rolled through. So I need some caffeine. I am drinking a honey tea. I have no idea where it's from, who it's by or anything. I just know it's honey because I got it from a wedding in like November. So I thought I'd toss it up, like toss up what I normally drink and drink something different. Is that like a black tea or a green tea or? I have no bush? idea. It's just honey. Okay. It's just honey. <laughs> All right. Honey is always good. And uh, I'm drinking a, just a generic uh, peppermint green tea from local grocery store because wasn't feeling fancy today because <laughs> a storm okay. blew through and kept me up all night no <laughs> well i should i should say my dog kept me up all night <laughs> yeah. your dog is pretty storm intensive poor baby so we finished reading wild magic Tracy, you want to give us a brief summary of Wild Magic? Yeah, so in Wild Magic, we get introduced to our main character, obviously. And uh, she doesn't have magic, but she can do a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, she meets up with her teacher. This is going to be like a really quick overview. She meets up with her teacher. They end up going, teacher and some other people, they end up going to the coast for the training camp. That also has the queen and the two like royal kiddos there. Stormwings, evil guys, come in and they try and kill everybody. And that doesn't work, but also capture the queen. We end up finding out that Dane has wild magic. This is a really, really rough like overview of everything, but I don't really, we're going with it. We end up finding out that Dane has wild magic and that she can actually do some really awesome stuff, which we'll get more into in this book. And she kind of helps save the day on everything. So that was a very, read the book. Don't, don't listen to us, read the book. It's <laughs> kind of what that goes to. But those are the big, like, pictures that you need to get. She has a teacher. She has wild magic. Um, oh, and she has a badger person that helps guide her way in everything. Badger person. <laughs> badger <laughs> animal <laughs> thing. He'll pop up. He'll be back. We're talking about him in the first. Thankfully, these books are very well written, and they do a good job of, like, remembering what happened previously without wearing you out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and she, it, we're going to talk about it, but it's like she changes a little bit every single time and it's kind of cool. Yeah. Today we are talking about Wolf Speaker. This is the second book in the Dane quadri, quadri, 
I don't know. Set quartet. 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 Oh, yay. We <laughs> couldn't remember that a few weeks ago. Ever. Um, so the official name of the quartet is the Immortals. Again, there is Tamara Pierce, because we are all about Tamara Pierce all the time here on Mages of the Air. Um, so we ask Aaron to prepare chapters one through four, and then we promptly sat down and read chapters one and two. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Aaron, for preparing. Just thinking about chapters one and two, what was your first impression of these books? Just just from Wolf Speaker, chapter one and two, it's very much differently written from what I'm used to reading. It's it's very much more I want to use the word vocal because the the way she writes is is reads a lot more spoken than it is from from anything like Neil Gaiman or anything else I've read recently. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I like that sometimes I like rambling narrators who stop and give you little tidbits, but sometimes they annoy me. I've been reading Catherine and Valente's story, and she'll stop and be like, and now, dear reader, we must take a moment to consider if the entire world is a house, we are on the front porch of the world, and fairyland is in the attic. We shall now climb up the winding stair and into the long attic. Feel free to cut whatever of this that you want because it's just going on. <laughs> and that's kind of how narrators can feel sometimes. Uh, we talked in the first book. We really like that Tammy starts in media ray, right? She just mm -hmm. jumps into the action. I love that this one starts from the wolf's point of view. Yes, yeah. I actually I have a comment about yeah. that. Um, well, because it's it's you like you said it starts on the wolf's point of view and it's just like thinking an odd pastime and you're all like yeah for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did you know there's some people that can't hear their thoughts? I did not. Or I learned the about same this. People that from like. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned about it from an online thread it was like a Twitter thread it was so interesting because my voice goes in my head all the time when I want to read faster the voice in my head reads faster y'all know that that voice occasionally long, and I don't realize I'm actually singing out loud um, <laughs> but it's interesting to hear it coming from an animal particularly because that's always been one of the things people are like this separates us from the animals humans have this consciousness this awareness of being alive this awareness of what's around them of other creatures of what's coming and what's in the past like animals don't have a, a super strong concept of past and future mm -hmm. they're very very present but i like that it jumps in from the wolf's point of view and that he says dane is a the one who was human outside and beast people inside yes and i love that reference to her I also like that he says that he does not like what if thoughts, because I feel like just as a human being that we oftentimes get caught up in those what if thoughts. And it's like, well, what if that? What if this? And I know I do. I'm freaking terrible about it. Getting like just thinking about them and not getting out of them. Um, and that's a very human thing to do, because like you said, he stays in the like animals stay in the present. We need a wolf version of Inside Out. I think that would help Brooke thing here. Mm -hmm. I feel like after reading all this, I felt like he was having an anxiety attack. Like that's or like some kind of anxiety issue. And I was like, dang, this is intense. Any thoughts from that first couple of pages where we hear Broke Fang before we meet Dane? Dane taught Broke Fang to listen to other creatures. Oh, yeah. I thought that was awesome because he's just sitting there and that's how he gets the information. And that's how he goes, oh, Dane is here. So instead of just waiting for them to show up, he goes... Nah, I'm going to go get him. And he like speeds up the entire process instead of making it take like weeks for them to find him. Just like, nope, bloop, bloop, and they're done, which was a, it was a good like timeline speed up. I liked it. 
So moving on to the next section, I was going to say my favorite part of that after we go past like Brokefang and how unwolf-like he actually is, we get a really good description of Dane. And I did ask Caitlin to get the description from Wild Magic because I left the area I was in and moved somewhere else and I don't have my books on me. So also, by the way, if you try and get these on Amazon, they only sell you three of the books and then you have to go buy the fourth one separately, which is ridiculous. So I just bought one of the books. Fun fact. So anyways, the description of Dane is she was five foot five, slim for her 14 and a half years with blue gray eyes, the color of clouds overhead. Her curly brown hair was tightly pinned up, her clothes as practical as her hairstyle, a blue cotton shirt, tan breeches and soft soled boots. Around her neck, a heavy silver claw hung on a leather thong. I liked this because just in the silver claw alone, we see earlier in Wild Magic, she was hiding it like under her shirt. She didn't want people to see it and things like that. But also the description that we get of Dane in this book entirely is way more mature than not just in like the like what is described, but how it is described than the description we get in Wild Magic, which I kind of loved. Because uh, for me, it said, okay, we're in a completely different tone than where we were in Wild Magic. So in Wild Magic, it said, she waited as Anwa looked her over. A girl in a green wool dress, skirt short enough to show leggings and boots. Brown curls tamed by a headscarf fell to thin shoulders. A soft, full mouth said she was vulnerable. Her chin was entirely stubborn. A quiver filled with long arrows hung on her back and a bow rested on her hand, unstrung. And then a minute later, blue-gray eyes flashed. Dun, dun, dun. And we, we get the description of Dane drawing her bow. So already she's changed her clothing, right? She's not wearing dresses anymore, which was a big part of the first book where she quit wearing skirts and she wore breeches because now she's not home in Snowsdale anymore. And she's wearing her hair tightly pinned up instead of wrapped up in a scarf. Mm-hmm. So she's keeping it more out of her way and it's not, there's not a risk of it falling. She's just like, knock you up and out of my way. Unlike characters we'll see later on who just straight up chop their hair off. <laughs> yeah. Whoop, whoop. Well, there's an element of the previous, the previous description is very feminine and vulnerable, like skirts, hair in a headscarf, your hair is tumbling, it's blowing around. Um, this is a more... And I feel like this is a stronger image. It's coming from a place of less physical vulnerability. And in order to achieve that, she actually had to become more emotionally vulnerable Mm -hmm. and trust others. Um, But that allowed her to to do things like put off the very feminine garb that was her native, you know, the expectations of where she came from. And she's probably not as worried about looking like a girl as she is in having practical and comfortable clothing and hairstyles that let her do what she needs to do. Yeah. Aaron, did you notice anything about the clothes? The 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 description in this one was a lot more practical. Mm-hmm. Um a lot more down to business than than in Wild Magic was what I noticed. Sorry, not to put you on the spot. Aaron's wife is a fashion designer, so he's got to know a little bit about this stuff. A, a little bit. It is the the clothes she's wearing are very much made to rough rough it out in the wilderness definitely with the 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 cotton and the tan britches because you're going to be out in the uh, out in the mud and stuff Mm -hmm. don't have to worry about appearances Mm -hmm. also in this description i'll say and we'll get it a little bit later on we get a very good passage of time without Mm -hmm. like 
without Tamora Pierce straight up coming out and saying, oh, hey, X amount of time has passed. You know, we have the age change and um, the more mature description because she's obviously growing. She's a young woman. And I thought that was very, very good. All right. What we also here is a sense of homecoming. Dane is returning to this pack that she lived with and ran with. And she's also returning to a place that could be Snowsdale's twin. Uh, Which is scary for her. Right, right. Because last time she was in Snowsdale, she was literally running wild as a wolf. Mm -hmm. And she goes on to express this um, after some prodding from Numair about how she's afraid of returning back to the madness. Well, and I love, I love this. So she admits that she's scared. She's worried about returning to the madness. And she says, may I remind you that this, or Numair says, may I remind you that the spell that keeps your human self apart from your magic self is one I created. How can you imply a working performed by your obedient servant might be anything but perfect? But more seriously, he added, Dane, the spell covers all your contacts. You won't lose control. I just, I love that because we get the confidence and cockiness of like Numair. But then later we get <laughs> Dane's quote where she was like, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing because I can list a lot of people that think you're mad. You know, there's folks who say you're the last man to know who's crazy and who's not. I know who could. I know a cook who won't let you in his kitchen. A palace quartermaster who says he'll lock you up if you raid his supplies again. Enough! <laughs> Numer held up his hands and surrender. Um, but we also have Cloud chiming in. And yeah. she's that practical voice. If I have to bite you to stop you feeling sorry for yourself, I will. You're being silly. And I love that comfortable banter that we get between them, which is much, much, much different from what we had in Wild Magic, because it's really, these are people in the sense of animals and people that have been together for a long time, (laughs) have probably been traveling for quite a bit at this point. But no, I I just remember they did state how long it's been. I just can't remember where. It comes up a little bit later. I have it highlighted. Is it later? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's 16 months since the badger first appeared to her. So that kind of gives us a timeline on like where's everything at. Okay, so so she's been traveling and and learning from Numair for at, at least a little over a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back to the book. Numair is writing reports for King Jonathan. Uh, he wants them to scope out this area. So Dane got the call from the wolves. Dane is like, I need to go. Numair tells King Jonathan they're going, and Jonathan's like, Oh, good. Some weird stuff seems to be going down. Can you check on that for me while you're out there? So there's a missing people, a group of queen riders, and then 20 soldiers from the Tolkien army. And this was so interesting because Dan goes, well, can't you wizards see this place with your map? When I asked the king, he said something about the city of gods and an aura, but then we got interrupted. And Numir goes, well, yeah, there's the city of gods. It's the oldest center for teaching magic. And the magic has seeped into the very rocks of the city itself and spread. There's a magical aura that blanks out the city and lands around it for something like a 500 hundred mile radius that's kind of crazy like Mm -hmm. just how big that is and then the fact that people can't see it like this is just a blind zone it's the uh um oh my god i'm gonna say this completely wrong something triangle help (laughs) bermuda Bermuda triangle Triangle. (laughs) it's the bermuda triangle of total (laughs) which i mean we'll get to that later but uh what i was going to say and Dane's outlook on this, and she goes, we're never going to find them. Like, what's the point? It's so negative, but it's honestly, and it kind of made me realize that while we were reading it, it's kind of, it's very adult. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like as I got older, I got 
I got more negative when it came to things like that, where I was like, oh, we're never going to do this. This is, we're never going to find it, whatever. And of course you always have that one Caitlin positive friend that <laughs> helps you sit there and go, oh no, you're going to, you're going to do it. We're going to do it. Just be positive about it. And you always have to have that one person in the group. And in this situation, Numair is the one doing that. But Dane is kind of getting into that slumps of like being an adult and being like, I guess the reality of sometimes things don't always work out which can be a struggle. <laughs> right. Well, and she is the inveterately practical one. Mm-hmm. And there's the dreamer for sure. Yeah. But I mean, that's probably what makes him such a powerful mage is that he is a dreamer. Well, and all of the interesting stuff we're going to find out in book two of Tennis Slaughter when that comes out, anxiously awaiting fantastic, glorious fiction. <laughs> to more fierce cough. Hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> no, she gets on. She's been saying like, what's going on. There's been all kinds of stuff. She's had a tough time. But we are very excited for the book when it gets here. And I love that they measure the distance and the miles a wolf travels in a day. And then Dane has to divide that in half. Yeah, to figure out what they're looking at. But then the wolves show up and they're like, yay, it's Dane. And Dane is like, yay, it's wolves. I love that she ran to them and vanished in a crowd of yelping, tail-wagging animals. <clears throat> wolves! Yay, wolves! <laughs> um, we get the wolves and we get the like the pack welcome, where they're like, oh my gosh, we miss you. And of course, the horses are freaking out and they come running in. But it's it's nice to see. Like, in the book, I was like, oh, they do like her and they do remember her. Well, some of them like her. <laughs> yeah. So I did love this part. I thought it was just really cute, where the wolf pups were really scared of Kitten, the baby dragon. This and is the dogs. She so hasn't crazy. met the pups yet. This is just the adults. Oh, dang it. That's later. Sorry. Yeah. We'll no, no, no. You're jump good. over. So yeah, so she introduces them and the horses are there and they quivered, whites showing all the way around their eyes as the wolves sniffed them. They trusted Dandy to keep the wolves from hurting them, but her couldn't finish that entirely. And I love to have Spots and Mangle back yes. from our last book. So Spots is Numer's very, very patient gelding because Numer is a terrible rider. Mm-hmm. And then Mangle is our friendly pack horse. It's great. Well, it made me think, what did that horse have to do to get the nickname Mangle? Did it just always get like tangled up and stuff and whatnot like that? <laughs> but with this section, we actually get a really good description of this is, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, this is our first description of Kitten or Sky Song. And um, it goes, she was a pale blue, almost two feet long from nose to hip with, an, with another 12 inches worth of tail a slender muzzle and slightly or in silver claws. The wings that one day would carry her in flight were at this stage teeny and useless. Her blue reptilian eyes followed everything with sharp attention. Yeah, that's not at all how I ever picture her. I imagine like a tiny toothless, like a blue tiny toothless. That is what I imagine when I imagine <laughs> Sky Song every time. I don't, I'm one of those people where I'm like, oh, that's your description for the character? Okay, here's my own. <laughs> like that is me yeah I so much think in words that I don't know if I could draw you a picture of what kitten looks like but I know what kitten looks like Uh, but it is largely done from the illustrated covers from the what version is this Um, my my image of kitten probably comes from the 97 illustrated versions of the book covers Mm -hmm. where there's a picture of Dane on the front of Emperor Mage with a purple dress and the dragon peeking around her back and then on the very last book, Realm of the Gods, 
there's the big dragon head and Dana's talking to him and Kitten is there too. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I'm trying to convert like the way I imagine Kitten to be more like from um, Aragorn. Mm -hmm. That book. Those weren't okay dragons. Well, just like the head shape. Like that's what I'm trying to imagine versus like a toothless chirpy kind of shape. Yeah, well, it just looks like that little salamander. Yeah, <laughs> there's. It's a cool. It's a really cool little lizard. I always liked the Patricia C. Reed calling on dragons. Those peppers. I feel like those were the very best dragon illustrations. Aaron, mm-hmm. do you have any favorite dragons? I I still lean towards. Um, yeah, Aragorn are are my favorite description of dragons still. Yeah. Or Tolkien. Tolkien's drawing of Smaug. I like that one. I feel like that goes pretty well with how Kitten is described here, too. I don't actually think I've ever seen that. Like, oh. his drawing of it? I don't think I've yeah, ever seen it. Yeah, it's this kind of skinny, whippy dragon. So, But yeah, I've always imagined uh, Sky Song incorrectly, apparently. <laughs> Proud moment, <All> right. guys. <laughs> Broke thing is moving on. So we do have a good bit of exposition in this chapter. Um Men are cutting down trees and digging holes without planting anything. They brought the monsters and more humans, and they're killing off the game. If this isn't stopped, the pack will starve when the big cold comes, a.k.a. winter. Yeah. And I like, Numer's like, don't animals normally just move? And Broke Fang is like, oh, we're not moving this time. We already moved. We spent the entire summer looking for somewhere to live. We barely found this place before winter. Y'all got to deal with this now, because this is not okay. Mm-hmm. And I like his comment. He goes, they drove us from the fa- valley where I was born, my sire and his sire before him, before it was on our way to run from two two leggers. Yet, I do not run if another pack challenges mine. I fight, and the pack fights with me. Are humans better than another pack? I do not believe they are. That's more of that Dane thought, like, slipping in and stuff like that. And it's really weird to think about, like, the way that they change, especially when you look at, like, some of the other wolves that are like, Uh, are we supposed to do this like this doesn't necessarily feel correctly but like broke thing is so different because and i mean he really is even in the mindset of like cloud like i feel like cloud has changed because of her interactions with dane but broke thing as we find out later changed because he well we believe he changed because he cleaned dane's wounds and then that through the pack mind which i feel like is a twilight term kind of (laughs) slipped into them and then them learning from him and stuff like that. But it's, it really is crazy because he is not, oh, I'm learning this from Dane. It's a, and I mean, part of it is it's more of a, she has changed his anatomy. Like she's changed his basic and the base way brain works. Yeah, yeah. way of nature, uh, which is kind of awesome, actually, which makes me wonder if his pups would be kind of in a similar manner. Well, since one of them is called silly, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and so we get a little flashback from when Dane was basically a wolf and when Broke Fang does help her out after she's fought a bandit right before they finish, you know, slaughtering all the bandits. And then Dane feels really sad about it, but then Numer distracts her by rambling about random magical people with animal companions. And she immediately cuts him off. And she's like, if I don't stop you, you're not going to (laughs) stop. Which I thought was wonderful on so many different levels. Well, and I love, too, they distract each oh. other with food. <laughs> she's like, okay, Numer, shut up. Let's make dinner. And he's like, yes, that was my plan the whole time. <laughs> and so distractible when there's food involved. 
Um, and then our badger friend arrives. Mm-hmm. What do and, you think about the badger here? Yeah, Aaron, what's your opinion on the badger? I really like the badger. He's, a, <laughs> he's incredibly sassy and, and takes no bull from anybody. That's an accurate description of the badger, like 100%. <laughs> and I love, I love his banter with Numair, though. That's my favorite part. <laughs> you can't see my face right now. There are things I want to say, and I cannot say them. Okay, going to stop. All right, so he's bantering with Numair. <laughs> Numair he answers Numair's question before Numair can ask it, and Numair goes, I thought I'd jilled my mind from any kind of magic reading or probe. Perhaps that works with mortal wizards. Perhaps we're or immortals, such as Stormwing. I am neither. And then this is where we get the comment about 16 months ago. So I do like how they use this as an opportunity to weave in some of that backstory again. Like 16 months earlier, she met the badger. And then we hear about the lesser immortals, you know, all the monsters that came from the divine realm who won't die of sickness or old age, but they can be killed. And we find out that the badger cannot be killed because he's a god. We also find out that the badger is gigantic. I wouldn't look this up, guys. There is not a badger that is his size. Uh, a honey badger, which is the one most people associate in the United States, is 20 to 35 pounds and 1.8 to 2.5 feet. That's the size of my pug. No, Wait, that's, yeah. that's probably a little bigger than your pug. But yeah, it's like, that's yeah, that's the American honey badger. And then you have the European badger, which is Mr. Dapper with the, you know, he looks like he's fixing a take you out to tea badger. Mm -hmm. 26 <laughs> pounds in 2.3 feet is the average. And then this. Badger's what? A six foot badger? They, they describe him not six feet, but he's big for his kind. He is one yard in length. So that's three feet or a little over three feet, if I'm correct. Uh, with a tail a foot long, <laughs> weighing at least 50 pounds. So, I mean, it's not quite the terrifying badger god from Don't Stop that comes to eat your beehives, <laughs> but he's headed in that direction. Mm -hmm. I don't know. He's, if I had a gigantic badger like that coming at me, I'd be like, oh my God, this is not a capybara. Run away. Badgers <laughs> <laughs> are scary. Honey badgers are scary enough. Yeah, right? <laughs> Honey badger don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so the badger is not just here to to answer questions for Numair, he's also going to tell Dane um, some stuff. So if you try, you can learn to enter the mind of a mortal animal. You can use their eyes as much your own, or their ears, or their And he gives her advice to make her mind like that of the animal you join. Think like the animal does until you become one. You may be quite surprised by what results in the And then he checks on Kitten, because he's coming from the divine realm. And then he just disappears again. Yeah, which kind of makes me wonder, like, can he not take, I mean, can he not take her back because, like, he can only make a portal for himself? Or, like, it, does she have to have a portal to get through? I don't remember if that's something that they ever address. It, um, it, it will be addressed. Gotcha. Okay. That's coming. <laughs> that's coming. Down the road. Down the road. See, I have a terrible memory. So I read really fast, so I forget a whole lot of it when I read. I just enjoy it in the moment. I act like an animal and just enjoy the now. <laughs> and so this has been a really interesting like read because I've like accidentally spoiled stuff, apparently, without spoiling stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. So there we go. I have the memory of the goldfish. Um, Great. Now that's two of you. <laughs> You're a goldfish and I'm a surgeon fish. I like that the badger acts as this guiding light and causes Dane to try and do this. It's not a mind meld, but she just like rides with Cloud or tries to ride with Cloud. 
because we get a very big step, in my opinion, in her magic. It reminds me of Granny Weatherwax in the Terry Pratchett books and how she borrows. So she borrows the mind um, where she's just next to the animals. And there's a whole book where Tiffany learns about borrowing. Um, but with Granny, like one witch does it and she borrows a mouse to come check her hat because she's blind. She doesn't use a mirror. She'll just summon a random mouse and just jump in with the mouse for a minute, look at herself, fix her hat, and then jump back into her own mind. Granny can borrow an entire hive of bees, which is really difficult because they're all individual beings, but she can make them do things. Though while she's out borrowing, she does have to have a sign that she holds that says, I ain't dead. (laughs) (laughs) So if you ever see cosplayers with a sign that says, I ain't dead, possibly the most magnificent character of this world. Argue. <clears throat> I thought you were gonna go more of like a rogue kind of character with it, where they like borrow powers like that. So that was actually really nope, interesting. It's an extremely moral witch. That's how Dane feels when the badger leaves, and she forgot to ask about her father. Exactly. Yeah, that's actually where I was going with that because he, she thinks he magics her and is like, "Yo, you're not gonna remember to ask me this question because I don't want to answer it." <laughs> and then she's like, "It's not." fair and Dane or new mayor says somehow i doubt the badger is interested in what's fair he's a god that's all i'm saying he's a god so then after that she actually this is where she goes and she tries to get into cloud's mind and she tries to do it with her magic which is interesting Mm -hmm. and she doesn't understand why it doesn't work and they try a couple of times to concentrate and then the mayor's like that hurts stop yes so they and stop. i love that new mayor's like she's you're gonna be a magical symbiote and he explains what a symbiote is and all i could think of is like isn't this a spider-man villain <laughs> yes it, it's a multitude of of spider-man villains not just singular i think yeah it's a collection of them venom being one of uh, one of uh, a few Right, because Venom is a symbiote, a creature that lives off another creature, but not destructively as parasites do. I love that we get little mini biology lessons when we like we got the definition of mammal and we got some other anatomy terms last book. We got a lot of anatomy terms last book. Um, I swear these books are some of the reason I did so well on the SAT, though. Definitely. Well, she doesn't she doesn't like lower the language exactly for Mm -hmm. her audience. She's like, no, you're going to learn it. I'm going to help you learn it, but you're going to learn it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of the things that I really enjoy. And I wish my niece actually enjoyed reading because I would go ahead and like read these with her if she did, but she doesn't. So it's just a disappointment. Um, so Dave finishes uh, trying to meld her mind or get into the headspace of the mayor. Cloud basically is like, yo, I am an herbivore, an herbivore. <laughs> I am a grazer. I am a grazer. A- yes. So you should probably try somebody else that's more like you. And then she suggests, why don't you try melding with the wolves? Because she was practically one anyways. So there you go. I mean, that does make sense. And I like that they took some time to allay Dane's fears before we bring up that this is a possibility. Because then I don't think Dane would have even tried it if we hadn't already had this conversation with Numair where he's like, dude, I checked. You have no madness in you. And I made a really great barrier to keep your magical self out from your inner self. Yeah. You should be good now. Because that was a big part of the problem. It wasn't that she was mad. It was that her wild magic had too much control over her. And it kind of makes you wonder what would have happened to Dane if she hadn't met Numir. 
like eventually would she have run with the pack or would she have to completely shut off her wild man in order to survive as a human I don't think she could have shut off all magic in order to survive. Like, like physically, I don't think she could have. It would have just gotten out. And I think she would have eventually actually gone mad. Yeah, well, because we see in the the swamp, the birds just yank the healing out of her. Mm -hmm. So I almost wonder if she would have done a little bit of a Radagast the Brown thing from the Hobbit movies where he's like just disappeared into the wild and lived more. Maybe. In one, as one with the animals than with any human. Yeah, I see. That's how I see it, because she like with just the way it all works and stuff that she would have gone mad or in like an ultimate worst case scenario, um, like her magic would have eventually ended up killing her because she didn't know how to control it. So like with Mm -hmm. the birds, how they just sucked all the magic out of her, like she would have ended up in some kind of situation where something would have just sucked all the magic out of her. So who knows? Uh, We obviously don't have to find out because there's an entire book series about her. (laughs) But it's just interesting to theorize. It's those what ifs. Right. And I do do like that they revisit this fear because that's how fear works, right? Like we get Mm -hmm. over a fear, we move on with our life, but it's still often it's still a shadow in the back of your mind. Something you still need to worry about. My anxiety was pretty well under control and manageable. And then we had a crisis and it's flared up a lot of feelings and struggles I haven't dealt with in a long time. Again, that realistic portrayal of mental health issues where just because dealt with it once doesn't mean it's never coming back and not something you have to be aware of. But Numer is such a supportive and wonderful teacher and he's very he calms her fears. And then now when she tries this, he tells her good job and lets her go sleep it off. And I love this line. She's like, it's my turn to clean up. And he's like, the moon will not stop its monthly journey simply because I cooked and cleaned on the same year, which is just adorable. It is super cute. And it's it's one of those, I love it, shows new bears young at heart. The same thing with his, when Dane is having half a conversation out loud with Cloud and he's like, Man, I wish I could hear both sides of the conversation. I feel so left out. <laughs> it's just so cute. Right. And it's funny reading these again now because Numer is closer to my age. Like I was Dane's age when I first read these, but now I'm more Numer. And I'm like, oh, I see that point. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Since you did not read this as a 15-year-old and you jumped in closer to Numer's age, do you have any thoughts on the different perspectives and interactions here? Difficult question for me because w- when I read, I I jump into the character and see it from their perspective, and I've, I've always done that. But I I can definitely see. I, I would say being being closer to Numer's age rather than Dane's age, I I can see where the the one sided conversation can be a little confusing for a person because. I'll hear one half of a conversation and be like, okay, I understand that. And then the response from somebody else, I completely changes, just completely changes. And, but the conversation continues and tangents off to something else that I have no idea how they got there. I mean, normally when I read, I do character part of, of getting literature degree though you have to take a step back and look through a lot of different lenses, which we've been talking about. It's been very interesting to read these again as adults who have been trained to read differently than teenagers through school and through study. So they go to sleep, the wolves come back in and they chill out with Dane and they wake up and I love this. They're getting ready and Numer's like, hey, can we uh, send this letter to the king today? 
And this is so awesome because we see Dane, who no longer really struggles with this portion of her magic, just reach out and be like, hi, eagle friend. Will you do me a favor? Can you take this letter and deliver it and do this thing? And we see her still being polite, even though she does have all of this magic. I love that. She doesn't force any animal to do anything. The only time we've even seen her try to force was with the whale in a very dark situation. But even then, she felt really, really guilty. We learn about how she's using her magic ethically here Mm -hmm. and further on. And it kind of shows, too, like... She she's learning a lot about this because Broke Fang goes, you will. I know like you've done really well. You've learned a whole lot. I know you can convince these two leggers to do what we're asking you to do. And she's like, no, 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 no. Animals are sensible. Humans are not. (laughs) And it was just a good like it just shows her age that she's kind of she's learning and she's understanding all of this. So they Um, go and they continue on this journey. I don't know if you want to like go anything over this. And then she gets this nasty feeling in the back of her mind again. Yes. Yeah. And I love this was really interesting. She's like storm wings. They're evil. And Numer's like, try to keep an open mind. They haven't attacked us. And Dane goes, yet. Mm-hmm. And then they look up and they see, you know, the storm wings are there. Broke Fang says they are harriers. They help the soldiers and the mages. And again, we get a little bit of that info, that background. Storm wings have been working before with Emperor Ozorn who's the emperor of the southern kingdom of Carthac and who's looking to invade Tortal. And Dane's like, can I shoot him now? And Numer's like, oh, they still have done nothing to harm us. Which I like this philosophy. This is kind of our D&D philosophy where we're like, sometimes our teammates are like, can we shoot it? And we're like, should we shoot it? Maybe we just go around it. And they're like, can we make it our pet? And we're like, no, go around. Quit trying to get us into combat. So it's like, <laughs> if you don't have to be violent for violence sake, then just don't. Which I really, which is also interesting. Because, well, did we ever decide, Aaron, you can help with this. Is Numera war mage or not? <laughs> Based on your um, wild magic, there was a line that said, as a war mage, my talents are limited. So I argue that means he is limited in his ability to use war magic. Tracy argues he's a war mage and he doesn't have many others outside of war magery. I get the feeling with Numair that, yes, he's considered a war mage. He can probably do war magic, but he chooses to use more protection magic. And... And I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna roll into kind of Star Wars here. He he feels more like he he's one of the the Jedi that does battle meditation, where he sits on the sidelines and he he uh, assists others and helps them do better in battle. Than like yes, he could probably go in there and clean it up himself, but he helps for for the war in its entirety. He helps rather than just winning a single battle. I almost think he specializes more in like barriers and distance than like giant works based on the books. But this will be a question we continue to ask as we go forward. Yeah, this is definitely something that's going to, I think, keep coming up. I like that answer, though. That's a good like middle ground answer because <laughs> it's like it's war magic. but And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it, it is because he does, as we see when because uh, defense can still be considered an aspect of war. You know, and as we see at the end of Wild Magic, that's what he does is he just like he lifts the barriers. He supports the other people around him. True. So, yeah, I almost feel like some of the way he talks about war mages, though, that maybe he isn't one or he doesn't consider himself one, even if he is 
helpful in battle situations. So maybe he is capable of doing the magic that is classified as war mage magic, but that is not how he identifies himself. Mm-hmm. We'll see later on. Maybe at some point we'll get an actual answer. <laughs> so as they're traveling along and they come across this crater and Dane is like, I just want to fight storm wings, stupid storm wings, hate the storm wings. And, but Numer notices that this is not a natural look. So he walks down to explore the, the horse with the wolves. <laughs> Dane has to be like, the wolves won't hurt you. Just stay. And Cloud takes over for the wolf, uh, for the horses. He gets some of her horses again. And in the crater, they find... Dane Dane looked at a massive bone close to her and saw it was a pony's skeleton. Metal pieces from the dead mount's tack had fallen in among the bones. Looking around, she counted other dead mounts. The smaller bone heaps belonged to human beings. Numer faced her and held up his fine. Blackened, half-burned, in tatters, it was a piece of cloth with a red horse rearing on a gold-brown field. Now we know what happened to the Ninth Rider group. And Dane is like, and you stop me from shooting Stormwing. I have friends in the Rider, and you stop me from shooting the people that would. Numenere does point out they didn't kill with blasting fire. This is battle magic. Mm -hmm. And then Dane gets one of life's hard lessons. A little, you're too young to be close-minded. A little tolerance can't wouldn't come amiss oh this ends on such a such a rough point like i've literally never stopped on chapter one ever in my life i always have to keep reading because that's really really sad this is dane's surrogate family the people who took her in and where she made a lot of friends and she's just found out even if she didn't know the ninth perspective it's like your your aunt's you know family has died suddenly yeah and i mean even with that i bet at some point like she's come across them or worked with them or anything because it's been what did we say a little over a year probably that she's been riding around with new mayor and then like the queen's writers and everything like that so it's she's probably talked to them at some point like she could have seen their faces or at the very least their horses and known who they were um and it's I, just, I would imagine I would imagine at least one or two of the people in the Ninth Rider group she helped to train. Yeah. Um, if if they're doing yearly training groups, mm-hmm. potentially they would have had to replace somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she might not have had like a good direct relationship with them, but she definitely like I feel like she knew some of them and stuff. And even without that, it's. It's just hard because these people were probably incinerated by a magical, you know, like, bomb (laughs) that they didn't necessarily, like, see coming or anything like that. So it was intense. That is a really somber note to end on. Oops. Do we want to, like, do a couple chapters, a couple pages of (laughs) chapters? No, let's not stop in the middle of a chapter because I feel like that's going to end up being way too confusing when we come back. Don't worry. They're going to meet up with the rest of the wolves, and then there's going to be a whole adventure. And these are our heroes in a positive series. So, yes, it is assume there is hope. And I mean, this is ultimately like this is a book, these are books about war. Like they're in war. Um, and this is one of those, to me, this is a reminder that it's like this isn't just it's an. Not, ad- it's not war until there's a signed piece of paper. <laughs> True. There we go. So. Um, okay, well, it's pre-war. I don't know what you call that, but <laughs> <laughs> it's pre-war. 
ultimately well like that's it that is what these books are about like it's not just an adventure of trying to get from point a to point b like it's they everybody has their spies they are you know tacticians they're whatever but they are part of a war not a war yet but a potential one to come well and just starting to see a lot of the destruction so i just read um not ashes in the snow it's the sequel by ruda sepius shoot fat not fountains of silence salt to the sea salt to the sea it's a very you know it's a popular book it's about world war ii and it just shows like the all-encompassing nature of war and how people get swept up really quickly uh, civilians get hurt and i think we're seeing that and, and she does this in a really appropriate way for ya where it's not just super grim and too too difficult to read it's comprehensible mm-hmm. but it is personal and it's threatening more than just soldiers and writers as we'll find out later that there are also pretty clear good guys and bad guys which is nicer than life sometimes yeah <clears throat> nope i agree so um Aaron, what do you think of just your introduction to Tamara pierce with wild magic in the first chapter of wolf speaker i i think I don't know if this this is the the first series that she's written. I haven't done a lot of research into Tamara Pierce yet, but it's definitely a great introduction to her writing. At first reading Wild Magic, I was confused by the perspective, but as I kept reading, it kind of fit into place and seemed familiar as I as I kept re- reading, though I haven't read her before. I feel like she very quickly becomes that mentor and through her writing, she does a very good job of grounding her characters while making them still interesting and relatable at the same time. I just, I love these books so much. We've Tracy and I extensively about how much we've been shaped by these books. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think like what you were talking about with them being grounded characters is one of the reasons, I don't know about you, but for me, I keep coming back to them is because a lot of times I find myself reading these books when I'm in chaos. Like if I just feel like my life's going apart or whatever. And I'm like, it's like returning to an old friend almost where the characters are grounded and it makes me kind of reconsider and say, okay, hey, things aren't that bad. Just take a moment, take a breath. It'll be okay. So, mm-hmm. you know, or run away to a different city. That works too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, both valid choices, according to Tammy. <laughs> there you go, right? I mean, Dane does. That's a, Maybe I'm starting my adventure. First thing Dane does is run away. So not in the bad way, but she kind of has to. All right. So it's crazy. We're going to go ahead and pause here for today. Um, We'll pick up and hopefully get at least two chapters next week. Mm -hmm. But before we go, I've got some book recommendations. We talked about quite a few books throughout this podcast. Actually, I'll go ahead and look for all of them to put on the web page. But the two that I want to recommend for this first chapter are Equal Rights by Sir Terry Pratchett. And I actually am recommending Equal Rights just based on that one paragraph about the city of the gods and the magic seeping into the ground because in Equal Rights, we see a little bit more about how the magic of the wizard university in Terry Pratchett's Discworld has seeped into the trash heaps behind the university and created some like temporal time displacements and characters are using those. And again, this is one of those moments where I was expecting you to say monster trash. 
I don't just what I expect you to say and what comes out of your mouth are never the same things. Temporal <laughs> time holes and our main character Escarina is also a really interesting character because she's a female wizard, which is an anomaly in Pratchett's universe, as in women become witches and men become wizards, and there is no space for others. And so he named it Equal Rights, and rights to spell R-I-T-E-S. I love it. You can't see my face right now because I had to turn off my camera, but it's my pun face. Um, yeah, and so we get to follow Esk, who is a strong and sassy female lead character, not unlike Dane because she's younger and she's kind of confronting the paradigms that are accepted in her time. And then Granny Weatherwax shows up as the second main character in that book, but she is a primary main character in the next book, Terry Pratchett's Lords and Ladies, and that's where we learn more about borrowing. So I'll have more books for you. I typically think of like two or three for every every couple chapters. So we'll add these to the website. And Erin, if you ever have any book recommendations, feel free to throw them in there. I don't um, because I read more like sci-fi technology based. And so it's hard for me to in my brain to associate them all together. So yeah, I'm, I'm currently in horror anthologies. So <laughs> probably not probably not the right podcast to recommend my books. <laughs> I bet that'll come up later. <laughs> Throw them out there if you've got one that connects because we have readership, you know, all five of our readers are <laughs> listeners. All five of our listeners span varying age groups and they're not mostly YA. So that's fine. There you go. So those are our book recommendations. And remember, we are Mages of the Air. I'm Katie. I'm Tracy. And this was our guest. Aaron. Aaron. So you can catch up with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are Mages of the Air. You can also find us on our website, magesoftheair.com. Um, as you listen, if you are on a site that lets you do reviews, we'd really appreciate it. If you leave us that five-star review, that helps us reach more viewers and build the community here. We also would love it if you'd share the podcast with anyone you think might like talking about YA fiction, books, tea, and other random non sequiturs. We have also set up a Patreon. You can find that on our website. Um, we fully self-fund this show. This is produced and paid for by myself and Tracy. If you like what you hear and you want to chip in a little bit with those production costs, we would really appreciate that. If not, not a problem at all. We're going to still keep bringing you Tamara Pierce all the time content because we just really love these books. Once again, I'm Katie. And I'm Tracy. This is Mages of the Air. And until next time, welcome to Tortall.